Hello everyone, a simple message to tell you that there are trigger warnings in this episode. If you want to know them, just look below. We don't want to trigger anyone. Okay, bye! I'm Seth Day, I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. Welcome back to another way to go and room to grow. Uh, so expanding on our conversation about activists today, we're going to talk specifically about sort of youth activists and youth activism and young people doing cool things. Um, yeah, because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like there's this idea um, that like young young people can't make a difference. I don't know. It's like like that activism is like an adult thing i feel like when we think of activists we automatically go to like adults like at least in my brain that's that's what i feel like i do and i think there are a lot of young people doing lots of cool things and i think that we need to be encouraging young people to make change and not to say oh that's a thing you can do when you're older uh you know which i actually um i will get to this later but there's a popular book uh that i see recommended on a lot of lists about activism for kids and it was great. And then at the end, it was like, but when you're older, do it. And I was like, what? No. <laughs> <That's>, huh? <laughs> so I think that, um, yeah, I think that it's really important to show kids representation of other kids who have done awesome things. Um, so uh, without further ado, I guess I'll talk about my first book, which is The Little Book of Little Activists. Um, and it's actually so there, it didn't say i couldn't find information about who edited the book but it's basically direct quotes from kids uh with photographs of sometimes those kids and sometimes other kids um basically it's it's mostly almost exclusively photographs of kids at marches and protests and things like that um and so uh while i couldn't find the editor there is an introduction by bob bland who uh, was the co-chair of the women's march on washington and then there's an afterword by civil rights activist uh linda blackman lowry um and like i said there's no illustrator because it's photographs by various people uh and this was actually i was surprised because i hadn't heard of it um it was published in 2017 by viking books for young readers and uh yeah like i mentioned before it's basically a uh sort of compilation of uh photographs of children of all ages um from recent protests and marches so um it basically includes direct quotes from kids uh on about topics of activism feminism equality and other other topics they cover uh and what i like about it is they're also like it'll start with a topic and then it'll define what that thing is and then kind of have quotes related to that thing so for example the the book the first page of the book says activism taking action in order to create social change anyone can be an activist and then there's a quote um from carson age 11 that says we need to make our generation a nicer one if there's a mess it's our job to fix it um, and that one is actually, it was funny because it was coupled by a couple of years ago. I don't remember what March it was from. There's this sort of internet famous photo. I think it was posted on Twitter originally of this like toddler on their grown up shoulders and they were holding up a sign and it was just like scribbles. I don't know if you remember seeing this. It was, it was very cute. But that's actually, fun fact, that's actually what inspired our logo. Originally, it was a person like a, a, kid on their parents shoulders holding the right. sign and then it got water it was a little bit too 
uh, it wasn't kind of the right format for a square <laughs> for our logo. So we ended up meaning it ended up being watered down to kind of just the kid holding a sign. But I was like, Hey, I know that picture. <laughs> That's really cool. I um, had no idea. I like, yeah. Fun facts. Um, so then it goes on to talk about feminism and it defines feminism as the belief. So this is, uh, I have a room to go for this, but they, they define it as the belief that men and women deserve equal rights, opportunities and respect. And I'm like, you could have just said all people. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, but basically, uh, then, uh, there's a, a quote from Caitlin age six that says feminist means that women get to make their own decisions and can do anything they strive for. Um, and then there's like a picture of a kid holding a sign that says, I'm a girl, I'm smart, I'm strong, I can do many things. And in that section, there's also, what I thought was cute is there's two kids who um, uh, read as boys or uh, male presenting who are holding up signs about feminism, which I, you know, think is important, you know, not just like girls empowering themselves, but also as allies. Um, and then it talks about democracy. So it defines democracy as a government that's, I have some, so generally speaking, I have problems when kids books water down like democracy and elections and things like that. And they make it sound like it's super fair. Right. That it works. Yeah. I'm just like, no, but anyway, this is their definition. Uh, it defines democracy as a government that's run by the people. The people decide who's in charge by voting in free, fair, and equal elections. Okay. Um, (laughs) The leaders have to tell the people what they're doing in the government. If the people don't like what their leaders are doing, then in the next election, they can vote for someone else. No one is guaranteed to be the leader. They only get to be the leader if the people choose them. So I feel like that's a little watered down to me. Um, But like, I feel like, like if I was reading that to my kid, there would be a lot of work I'd have to do to like break that down and explain how that's not always necessarily true. um, Right. And how there are barriers that people face in to voting and different things, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot there that um, I would have to kind of amend. Um, and then there's a, there's a quote from Gabriella, age 13, that says, I care about equality in our country because I want to fight for those who don't have a voice and because I want to choose what kind of world I will inherit. I was like, that's inherit. What kind of world I will inherit for a 13-year-old? I was like, I don't even talk like that. I love some of these quotes. I was like, ooh, <laughs> I love these kids. And then. Um, it goes on to talk about First Amendment rights. It lists the First Amendment rights. And uh, again, I have some kind of rooms to go here. Um, it says these are... Th- so instead of saying citizens, it says these are these are things that every single person in the United States has the right to do, which is not true. It only And I literally Googled. I was like, am I wrong? Like, I'm pretty sure that... <laughs> have I been misinformed? Only covered citizens. And some exceptions, but like not every, definitely not everyone in the United no, States. No, 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 no. Um, and then it says, okay, so every single person in the United States has the right to do that the government can't punish you for. Saying what you don't like about the country or its leaders, pu- um, publishing and broadcasting your opinions and information, practicing any religion you want or no religion at all, assembling peacefully with a group of people like a rally or protest or march, telling the government when you don't like what they're doing and asking them to change. Um, and then there's uh, <laughs> there's a little... <laughs> Uh, Hamilton plug where there's a there's a photo of a kid on their grown up shoulders with a sign that says immigrants we get the job done which I appreciated um, 
and then they uh, they go on to talk about protest, and they define that as disrupting the usual flow of things in order to call attention to an injustice and demand that it be changed. And then they talk about different kinds of protests, which I thought was cool, um, even though the photos, like, it was interesting because the photos are, like I said, exclusively kids at March, like, basically holding signs. Um, but then they do talk about at least other kinds of protests, like they talk about, uh, they list boycotts, petitions, demonstrations, sit-ins, walkouts, and picketing. Um, so I appreciate that they at least nod to the fact that there are different ways to um, the ways to protest. It's not all marches and uh, rallies. Uh, and then we have another quote from the very eloquent, eloquently spoken Gabriella. Um, Kids have a voice. We can change the world by taking a stand for our future. We can have a shared dialogue and discussion about our ideals and learn to be respectful even when we hear something we don't agree with. Like there are a lot of adults who need that that um, lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then uh, I wanted to read another quote from Kennedy, age eleven. Don't be scared to say what you mean and share what you believe. Oop, sorry, I'm using a mouse. I'm not used to. <laughs> Don't be scared to say what you mean and share what you believe. If you do it kindly and respectfully, you can get your message across. Um, And then actually, this is really funny because I I don't know if it was, I'm sure multiple people had this sign, so it wasn't exactly this image, but this is actually where we got um, an idea for the stickers and uh, the buttons that we have. Um, There's a a toddler holding a sign, or yeah, they're actually wearing a sign, almost like a sandwich board, um, that says, I I love naps, but I stay woke, which is one of our stickers. (laughs) Listen, as someone with narcolepsy, I feel that. um (laughs) children and also um so then it goes on in in a similar fashion it goes on to talk about freedom equality um and uh yeah and so uh i want to just end with a quote from maddie age 14 that says speak the truth even if your voice shakes which i thought was really powerful so i thought it was like a really um a really nice compilation i really appreciated that there were real photographs and because kids like especially younger kids are really captivated by like actual photographs Mm -hmm. of kids and and like even when we talk about watering it down to like you know when there are animals in illustrations and it's like we want to see you know real people depicted and it's like that's the realest you can get um it's actual photographs of people um and so you know i like that it's also real quotes direct quotes from kids and they're all different ages um i think you know the photos show diverse you know kinds of kids um and like you know it's it's a pretty simple book but in in like a good way i think like it says what it has to say and um yeah, I also like that it gives definitions of things because that was sort of a minor criticism I had of some of the books we talked about last week. It would be like injustice, and I'd be like, "What is an injustice?" I'm six, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. So um, I appreciated that they had definitions. Um, but like on the flip side, like I did think some of their definitions, like I mentioned, needed a little bit of tweaking. Could have used some further editing. Uh, like the the definition of feminism, I felt like was really binary. Um, the definition of democracy felt very idealist. Um, and again, like the First Amendment rights, like it's not everyone in the U.S. Um, and I also felt like even though they listed other forms of ways to protest, it was a focus on really like rallies and marches. Um, and I felt like there were kind of weirdly a disproportionate amount of photos from the Women's March on Washington specifically. Um and then, okay, so throughout the book, there are all of these words that are highlighted. And I'm like, great. And I go to the back and there's no glossary. And I'm like, what? 
maybe this was just like a graphic design choice but i was like like the words were highlighted in a way that i thought that there was going to be a glossary and then i went to the end and i was like right there's just an afterword and then it's over were the highlighted words coupled with the definitions in the text like sometimes but not always like it was inconsistent Mm -hmm. i think it was maybe a graphic design choice but i there were big enough words in there that i felt like there was going to be a glossary. right it was signaling something um, that it did not follow through yeah upon. yeah it's weird uh i feel like any book that talks about that kind of like heavier you know subject matter should have a glossary like bigger words um but at any rate i despite you know my uh criticisms i still think it's it's a nice compilation. I again, I think that the sort of strongest parts of it are the fact that it has real pictures and real quotes from kids, um, and that you could kind of maybe rejigger the <laughs> definitions a little bit, um, or just talk about like, hey, do you, you know, is that true? Why is that true or not true? You know, you have a conversation about it. But again, it is leaving a little bit of work to the grown up. To um, I don't feel like you could just read this and close it and leave it alone. Um, but at any rate, I, it was the only book like that, that I could find. Um, and I really, I liked, I liked the concept for sure. Um, so I'm going to move on to my next book. Um, if my computer will allow me to do so, it doesn't identify. What do you mean? You don't recognize my finger. It's the same finger (laughs) computer. Um, so this book is, uh, fairly new. Um, it's called No Voice Too Small, 14 Young Americans Making History. And, um, I I love this book. Um, and it has a very long list of contributors because basically, uh, it is a, basically they, it's a compilation of poems done by different authors, a lot of which uh, are authors that very well-known authors, authors that we talked about before. Um, and basically, uh, each so each poem is about a child activist it's written by the author but it's about a youth activist and they've coupled authors that share some form of identity with the activist okay so it's a so it's anthology. so like it's I'm, a poetry anthology yes Yes, exactly. So like, let's say I am Seth, I'm an adult author, and they paired me with a young queer kid, right? Because we share that identity. And so I wrote a poem about this. It's an own voices poem anthology. Yes, Uh, I thought which I thought was a really interesting way of doing things. Um, And so I'm gonna read out this laundry list of names. Um, So it was, (laughs) it was edited uh, by Lindsay H. Metcalf, uh, Kayla B. Dawson and Jeanette Bradley. And then the contributors who wrote the poems are Joseph Bruhack, uh, Tracy Sorrell, Nikki Grimes, Carol Boston, Carol Boston Weatherford, excuse me, um, G. Neri, Hannah Khan, uh, Leslie Newman, Charles Waters, uh, and Janet Wong, Andrea J. Loney, uh, Fiona Morris, and S. Fairberg. These are some, so a lot of those names. No, these are some are big names. Familiar. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot. A lot of those names are probably really familiar to y'all, uh, especially like we've talked about Hannah Khan, uh, Leslie Newman. I know we've talked about S. Bear Bergman, uh, who runs Flamingo Rampant, um, Nikki Grimes, Tracy Sorrell. We've talked about a lot of these mm-hmm. people before. Um, so yeah, they really. It's very star-studded. Mm. Uh, this book, uh, and then the illustrations are by Jeanette Bradley, um, and this was uh, published uh, recently in 2020 by Charles Bridge. And basically, like I said, it's a compilation of, of poems. It's an anthology of poems. Um, and so 
they, it's about 14, 14 youth activists. And so basically the sort of format is that each poem is paired with, so like the, it, it starts with a poem and then it has a little blurb about the activist and the work they're doing. And then it has a little direct quote, um, usually like a sentence direct quote from the activists themselves. Um, so it, and it starts out like the sort of um, first two page spread is uh, it's like a black background with almost like chalkboard writing and it has direct quotes from some of the activists featured in the book and then it starts out with I'm gonna I'm sorry in advance because I'm gonna read a lot of this book because I'm obsessed with this book um <laughs> so I'm just and it was honestly like hard to even pick which ones I like felt bad I felt like I was excluding people <laughs> by only reading some of them okay I'm gonna uh, settle so in for I'm a set whole book read aloud yes settle in for story time so the first there's sort of an opening poem and an ending poem uh and the opening poem is uh called amplify a reverso poem i had never heard of reverso poems i think this poem is so cool um a reverso poem by Lindsay h metcalf no voice is too small to solve a problem that's big a movement can spark within you your family and friends your community your country within your world you see a struggle speak the truth for others to watch changes ripple forward Ripple forward, change, wa changes, watch. For others to speak the truth. You see, a struggle within your world, your country, your community, your family and friends within you can spark a movement that's big to solve a problem. No voice is too small. So like, it's it's like you read the poem and then you read the poem backwards, which I thought was so cool. I've never heard of this before. <laughs> yeah, the, the number of like the different types of poems that are out there and like the science behind so cool. poems. It's, it's so incredible cool. when you actually. Well, that's what I loved about this book. There's like a spoken word in it. There's like, um, you know, your kind of traditional rhymey poems. There's like a free, there's a lot of like free, uh, what is it called? Not freestyle. That's not the right word. Like, I, oh, I almost free, said free, free range. Verse. Free verse. Thank you. Free range poetry. It's just roaming around. That sounds right. And, um. <laughs> and then there's the, uh, um, we learned about, or we talked about before, the golden shovel, which is the kind that takes, like it, it's inspired by another poem. Like it takes a line oh. from another poem. Oh, that's or probably so cool. could even take the line from the activist and you work that line into Ooh. the poem in different ways. I love yeah. that. Nikki so Grimes much. does beautiful uh, uh, golden poems. shovel poetry um uh, so anyway so then after the poem it introduces the book saying meet 14 young americans who opened hearts challenged minds and changed our world each activist inspired um inspired a poet who relates to an aspect of the activist identity along the way find tips for how you too can use your voice to make some noise and make a difference um so then the now i have to sorry i'm flipping back and forth now um am i on the phone Oh, haha. <laughs> I was looking. I'm on two computers right now um, because, cut this out, cat. Uh, I got the book. I downloaded the book and then my card bounced. Mm. So technically, I don't still own this book, but I had it open on oh my, my computer. So I still have access to it, but only on my computer. <laughs> So that's why I'm on two computers right now. <laughs> um, yay, being poor is fun. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, I'm going to read uh, a poem about uh, Zayed Ahmed, and it's called Defy, and it is by Hannah Khan. Uh, Talk to me, bring me in, tell me something new. Help me see the many ways I'm just the same as you. Ask me why, hear me out, honor what I say. Together we'll defy the hate with one small step each day. 
Tell your story, raise your voice, prove how much kids care. Join with me to make this world a place we're proud to share. And that's a ballad poem. Um, so growing up Muslim, Zayed Ahmed had been treated unfairly, but he also knew that it's hard to hate someone you know. So at 14, he held face-to-face conversations with almost everyone at his high school. Then he created an online platform where students shared their stories and encouraged others to accept everyone for who they are. His TEDx team talk about using personal connections to stop hate has been viewed all over the world. And then the quote is, you can break down stereotypes when you speak out and when you listen. Um, So I really liked that one. Uh, And then the next one I wanted to share is uh, Judy Adams. My name is Judy, a free verse poem by uh, Fiona Morris. I am your friend. I am your cheerleader. I make wishes come true, just like that. My gifts I give to all, dreamers who dream big. My path is my own and my inspiration untamed. Listening for, other, listening for other voices to speak clear and loud for all to hear. I listen to the song coming from inside your heart. And I put inspiration into a jar, one by one, dime by dime, while I gather wishes like stars. will make them all come true to shine. Uh, Julie Adams didn't like to see her mother cry. Her mom wanted to grant a wish to a young man with Down syndrome, but she hadn't raised enough money. So 12-year-old Judy created Dimes for Down Syndrome, a quest to collect a million dimes. Judy also led uh, others as a high school cheerleader and gymnastics coach for kids who have special needs. She speaks about living with Down syndrome. Small changes add up. Collect coins in a container. You decorate yourself. Where will you donate the money? Um, so I also, one of the things I also liked about this is there is really a great diversity in age, in race, in ability, in like all these different forms um, of identity, mm-hmm. uh, also in like sexuality and uh, gender identity. Um, Jazz Jennings is also featured in this book. Uh, so there's like a lot of really, it just feels like very well-rounded, the selection. Um, like, I feel like I would have been so stressed out if they were like, pick 14. Yeah, I'd be like, there's too many. Um but I feel like uh, they picked a really well-rounded sort of selection of people. And what I really liked is it didn't feel like forced. It's not like we have one of this and one of that. Like there are two indigenous folks in this book out of 14 people. To me, that like blew me away. I was like, that's great. (laughs) You know what I mean? They weren't just like, well, we have one indigenous person. So we checked that Mm -hmm. box. You know what I mean? Um, So I really appreciated that about the selection. Um, so speaking of which, uh, so the next one I want to read is Sierra Fields. Who is she? Uh, two, I might pronounce this wrong. Uh, two Sinkoin poems by Tracy Sorrell. Who's she? Cherokee girl, a jingle dress dancer, traditional arts creator, honored. Who's she? Youth advocate, excuse me, a cancer survivor, strong voice for the voiceless victims, mighty. Sierra Littlewater Fields began sharing information about her experiences with skin cancer when she was 12. She traveled, I can speak, Uh, she traveled and spoke out to improve healthcare in the Cherokee Nation. One day when she was far from home, a man sexually assaulted her. She refused to keep the attack a secret. Telling and writing her story empowered her uh, and gave other Native women courage to speak of their own pain. Uh, the truth is powerful. Revealing it can change attitudes. Um, and I'm sorry. I need to make a note to myself to do a trigger warning. <laughs> Side note for that. Um, okay. Anything. Now, this is my problem that I don't edit my own episodes. Because, like, I used to just be like, as I would hear it, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Now I need to actually tell my <laughs> to do things. Because I'm just so fancy. Um... Okay. 
Uh, and then there were two more that I wanted to share. Um, so uh, Mary Copney, Little Miss Flint, a concrete, a concrete poem by Carol Boston Weatherford. Some things can be bottled, like water, for example. Bottled water is a lifeline for communities, uh, for communities where water is not fit to drink, like Flint, Michigan, for example. There, lead pipes poisoned the water, sickening many who drank it or bathed in it. Luckily, we can be bottled. Uh, luckily, water can be bottled, but some things can't, like Mary Copney, who at eight years old wrote a letter to President Obama asking for his help. He flew to Flint to meet with Mary, but she didn't stop there. She raised funds for bottled water, kids' backpacks, and movie tickets. If we could bottle Mary's courage, uh, commitment, and compassion, Flint would have clean water. Justice would flow like a river, and no one would thirst. Mary Copney became an activist at age eight because her life depended on it. In 2014, the town of Flint, Michigan, began its water uh, began to get its water from a new and cheaper source. Treated improperly, the Flint water, sorry, this is very small, I need my glasses. The Flint water corroded city pipes and became contaminated with lead and other toxins. The stinky brown water caused rashes and other sicknesses, and doctors worried long-term exposure to lead damage would damage, oh my gosh, that long-term exposure to lead damages children's brains, blood, digestive systems, kidneys, and more. Years after Mary first opened bottled, uh, opened bottles of water to take a bath and help her family cope, she still speaks out about the importance of safe water as Little Miss Flint. In your city or state, who has the power to make things change? Uh, write them, write them a letter and ask them for what you need. So again, I appreciated that they like had also like young people. Like she's eight, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it wasn't just like all 15, like teenagers. Um, Cause I feel like it's easier to kind of talk about older kids. Um, so again, like just the, the range of uh, diversity in the selection of activists I thought was really great. Uh, so the last one I want to share is about uh, Anzara Kepra, uh, the orange tree an elegy poem by Andrea J. Lowen. The seed was Hadia's smile gone far too soon. The sprout arose from, uh, sorry, from Anzara's choice to honor to honor the life of her friend through compassion and action. The roots intertwined her classmates' dreams of a neighborhood, city, state, and country free from gun violence. The fruit bore the color of a hunter's vest, the color that shouts, "Protect me! Don't shoot! My life matters." Pr Project Orange Tree first bloomed at at one school in the south side of Chicago, but as more seeds fell, it spread into an orchard across an entire nation of grieving students, friends, families, and communities, all shouting enough. Uh, when Anzara Kepra was 16, her friend Hadia Pendleton was shot and killed. Uh, working through her grief, Anzara joined, uh, oh my gosh, why are these? Okay, that's my, that's my room to grow. This is too small. <laughs> I'm old. Um, <laughs> and Zara joined friends and neighbors to raise awareness about gun violence in Chicago. They hosted open mic events, candlelight vigils, and a day of fasting and wearing orange. And Zara's grassroots organizing grew from Project Orange Tree into a national Wear Orange campaign embraced by celebrities and politicians. Now National Gun Violence Awareness Day happens every June in honor of Hadia Host a color-themed day at your school or in your community to get people thinking about a cause you care about. Um, so yeah, I, those were just some that I, uh, again, it was really hard to choose um, ones to even share. And that was after I narrowed it down. Um, but those were just some that I wanted to share. I just really, I love this book so much. Um, I, I think it's, it's just, it's just really great. Um, 
yeah so and then the the closing poem is i won't read it because i've already read you like 17 poems mm-hmm. but the closing poem also just generally uh kind of encourages the reader to you know like speak up and uh make change uh if there's something you know that uh, you feel is unjust um and so my way to goes are are many um like i said the sort of also not even just the diversity in the selection of activists but the diversity in the forms of activism that they're doing right it wasn't all people who marched in a protest i don't think i don't know that any of these people probably some of them did but you know what i mean like most like it was like writing a letter to a politician or you know or doing you know collecting dimes or it was all these different things that they did and i really appreciated showing the different ways that you can be an activist Mm -hmm. or participate in activism um I also, like I said, I really love that it was different kinds of poetry because you're not only, it's like, this is a interdisciplinary book. You're not only learning about activism, but you're learning about poetry as well, which I think is so cool. I think that, um, like for me, I, I don't know, unless it happens to be a book that rhymes, you know what I mean? I don't know that I actively have any books that are about poetry. And I think this is a really cool intersection of like, um, you know, sort of poetry and, you know, talking about a sort of more serious topic. Because I feel like, like poetry really lends itself well to talking about serious things. But I feel like in my head, I wouldn't think it would. I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm like, poems are like fluffy and happy. And like, I don't know, but like poems are like, can be so serious traditionally. Um, And like talk about serious things. And so I liked that kind of pairing of, um, of poetry with a more serious topic. And how cool. Um, And yeah, just uh, I'm just thinking about like using it in the classroom, right? Like in an English classroom, mm-hmm. you're, you are yeah. having units on poetry. And rather than just reaching for like yet another anthology of primarily mm-hmm. old dead white guys, <laughs> um, which might be a cliche, but it's also true, like to yep. be able to source some of these types of poetry written by traditionally marginalized creators Mm -hmm. featuring youth activists i mean that's just Mm -hmm. like like that's a great resource that's a win 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 correct that's how i feel about this Mm -hmm. book and i um yeah i also like i mean and maybe i'm just not like i don't know maybe i don't know enough about youth activists but i felt like they picked people who i hadn't really heard of for the most part um which i which i really appreciated it wasn't uh i appreciate like in general when we're doing books about activism or books about like whatever it's a compilation of whoever i appreciate there being names that i haven't heard of and not just like the same people that i already so you're learning and i I, i'm gonna give a give a shout out to a couple books that are written about some of the more kind of prominent youth Mm -hmm. activists because i do think that it's great to have those on the shelf too but absolutely like Mm -hmm. when you're when you're legitimately learning um even as a grown-up about activists that are doing incredible work that puts you to shame as you sit on your butt like it's yeah it's important well that's like I remember I think I was doing my own research because I was teaching some stuff for Black History Month but I was like I I didn't flip and know about Claudette Coleman like it was always Rosa Parks like I had no idea that she existed before maybe like three years ago you know and like um and so i think it's it's important to uh you know to learn i think it's good to have a mix you know Mm -hmm. what i mean um but i appreciated that this book it was mostly people that i was like i have not heard of this person uh, which i thought was cool i have no room to grow for this book i love this book i want to marry this Mm -hmm. book 
Here, she'll hold up. Don't tell my wife. Yeah. Um, we could just have like a polyamorous marriage with this perfect. Time. I'm sure that that's a possibility. Um, you know, they're very, uh, they're very open at Charles Bridge. In Canada. <laughs> I was going to say at Charles Bridge oh, Publishers. Yeah. I love Charles Bridge. Uh, I have some friends over at Charles Bridge. Yeah, they're great. They're great, great, great. Um, they do great work. And this book is great. Part of that great work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the last book I wanted to talk about, I mean, technically, um, is uh, The Youngest Marcher, uh, which has a full title that is so long, uh, and I can't see it. It's all in here. Okay, so it's called The Youngest Marcher, the story of Audrey Faye Hendrick, uh, a civil rights activist. And it's uh, it was written by Cynthia Levison and illustrated by Vanessa Brantley-Newton. And this is... Um, not super new, uh, but also not super old. It's medium. Um, <laughs> it was uh, uh, published in 2017 uh, by Athenium Books. That is not medium. <laughs> yes, it is. It's medium. It's If it's not 2019 to me, it's medium. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and uh, so basically, it's a fictionalization of the real, the story of the, a real civil rights activist, Audrey Faye Hendricks. Um, and so uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you some some flavor. I'm going to redo the beginning of this book. Uh, so it starts whenever Mike flew into town, Audrey and her mama cooked barbecue ribs, stewed greens, sweet potato souffle um, and Audrey's favorite hot rolls, uh, hot rolls baptized in butter. Other folks do Mike as Martin or Dr. King. The Hendrix, the Hendrixes used his nickname. After Mike blessed the food, Mama ex- expected Audrey to keep still during supper. But when grown-ups talked about wiping out the segregation laws that kept black and white people apart in Birmingham, she just had to speak up. Audrey intended to go places and do things like anybody else. I want to eat my ice cream inside Newberries. I want to sit downstairs at the Alabama. Um, I don't I don't want hand-me-down school books. But, but stools at the counter, plush movie theater seats, books so fresh they crackle when you open them, those were for white children. Hush, hissed Mama. Nine-year-old children should not speak in front of company, especially ministers like Mike who are bringing dreams of justice. No, Mom. Rude. That's my first room to grab. <laughs> this mom is very, like... <laughs> I don't feel like it ever really gets resolved that this mom is like, hush, all the time. <laughs> this kid is just like, I want change. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and so it goes on to sort of introduce the idea of segregation uh, sort of with, with some examples of like things she's experienced, things like they're in church and they're uh, and uh, Mike, because uh, we're, we're on first name friendly basis now. Um, and Mike and other some other preachers are, are talking uh, about um, the segregation laws and things like that. And so some people get up and sort of give their testimonies of things that have happened to them. So through those testimonies, we learn a little bit more about the experiences of people at that time and sort of the things they were going through. Um, and so that sort of sets, sets the stage. Um, and so then uh, the, you know, they sort of get up, these preachers get up and they explain that they have this plan for people to sort of participate in civil disobedience and get arrested until basically the jails are full um, so that they can't arrest anyone else. And all the, and I mean, reasonably so, all the adults are kind of like, ah, but what about my job? What about my home? Like, am I going to lose all, you know? So everyone's like, no one's really, Audrey's like, okay, like who's going to stand up? And she's looking around and it's like crickets, you know? (laughs) Um, And again, like, I'm not judging those people for that. Like, 
you know, they they have responsibilities and kids and all these things that they have to take into consideration. So no one's really kind of biting. And uh, finally, uh, no, when No Grubs volunteered, they have this other idea. They're like, okay, well, what about if we send the kids to jail instead, right? So, to juvie. Um, and so basically, what about kids, if we send the kids to jail instead? Send the kids to jail. <laughs> I know it's kind of a wacky, um, a wacky, wacky idea. Basically, so basically, the idea was the kids participate in civil disobedience, like marches, whatever, which were illegal in that place at that time um Birmingham and um and basically they keep doing this until they cannot fit another person in juvie uh and then they can't stop them from doing it basically um and so uh and so you know Audrey Audrey volunteers to do this and she was the youngest person there uh, most of the people were in high school and she was eight I believe she's pretty young um and so basically uh and so they it was so one of the details I loved is that her parents like in preparation for her to go to jail they got her like a nice new outfit they got her a game to like pass the time Mm. to like play a little game um and they told her teacher she'd be absent from school they're like sorry Audrey's going to jail I mean I love how you're framing it like they literally just sent the children right to jail like they said they sent the children to go perform civil disobedience and march and protest knowing the consequence but I mean I like that they like they knew that the consequence would be jail but they're just like I don't know I just like this idea like here's the game to play in jail please excuse Um, Audrey from school she will be incarcerated (laughs) Uh, but I thought like it was really sweet the way her parents supported her in that way and not not saying like well you're too young right. to do right. this which is what how kind of it felt like in the beginning of right. it and we actually we um, shouldn't let me just throw a caveat out there we we are not yeah. making light of um, black children being incarcerated or going to jail or being mm-hmm. punished because we do know that that is disproportionately what happens in our society yeah. um, from suspensions and expulsions that. up through incarceration. So we are not making light of that in any way. Mm-mm. No way. Um, and so basically, it, you know, it sort of talks about her time, her time there. So, you know, you know, they do, they march and then they, there's like a one page spread where they're marching and they're just like, okay, here's a van, everybody get in the van. Um, and they, you know, sort of scoop up all these kids and, you know, it just sort of talks about her experience there and um, uh, that it was, you know, a lot harder than she, she had expected. And, um, and there's like this like mean this like matron who like yells at her for standing up or sitting down i don't remember she like told her to sit down and she stood up and it was like she didn't even remember standing up you know she's just like a kid stuck in a place um and so she got like put in basically solitary um yeah it was like it was wild uh and so and then i'm gonna read a quote from the book on another day audrey was sent to a huge room and told to sit in a chair that was so high her feet dangled above the floor four white men glared at her she had never talked to a white man before are you against america one demanded to know no sir she answered politely what do you talk about at those meetings another asked our freedom why did you march to go places and do things like anybody else what's wrong with that um and so i it's sort of like i don't even know how to phrase this like on the one hand my first reaction was like like if i i mean again she's also eight so i guess there's probably this idea to like be be respectful to grown-ups in general um but like if i was in that position i would be and this is also like a level of privilege i'm a white person but like i feel like you know that could have gone very sassy and very like you know um and i think it also reminds me of 
these kind of conversations that uh, you know parents of color have to have with their with their children uh, about how to speak to policemen and authorities and th- that's what it made me think right. about um, was this idea that like she has to be so polite and so she's like never even spoken to a well and it's before. also like, terrifying and oh your gosh, le- if yeah. your legs are not if your feet are not touching the ground like that's torturous right like like sitting there for a yeah. prolonged period of time without having any relief for your body like um yeah this was not an easy position to be in no not at all um and uh and so by basically by the fifth day uh because she had been sentenced for seven days and by the fifth day um it was so full that they could not fit another kid in and uh basically you know they couldn't stop them from doing these um acts of civil disobedience because there was nowhere left to put them uh i believe most of the acts of civil disobedience were marching right so we're talking about shutting down shutting down the streets perhaps you know, spilling yes. out into the street rather than it was basically yeah, just marching. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't anything wild. Um, yeah, and so, uh, and then this is this is from the book. Uh, uh, after seven days, Audrey went home. Her mama and daddy wrapped their arms tight around her, washed the jail off her, and for dinner, hot rolls baptized in mm. butter. Mm-hmm. Two months later, the city of Birmingham wiped the segregation laws clean off the books. Audrey licked her spoon clean at Newberry's counter, just like everybody else, black and white together, like a doll. Um, so it really did like make make a difference. Um, and uh, there is a really um, there's a really great uh, what do you call it? There's some back matter, and there's the author actually got to meet with her um, before she did pass away. Uh, Audrey has passed away semi semi recently. Um, I think it was 2009, but it was around around that time. Uh, and she did actually get to meet with her and talk with her in uh, writing this book. Um, and so I, the things that I really like about this are, I love that it's a book that focuses on like a young girl of color, which is like awesome. Um, I, you know, I appreciate that it's a true, it's a true story. Um, again, like I, I think it's important for kids to see real kids who did, you know, who did things like this and have, you know, continued to do things like this. Um, I also like that it's about a younger kid. Again, it's not necessarily about like a teenager or an older kid. Um, and there's also, there's, so the back matter with the author's note also includes a photo of mm-hmm. her at that age, um, which like the illustrations did a really great job. Also, she was just like a real cute mm-hmm. kid. Uh, she had like these little pigtails, <laughs> little bows. Um, the only things that like were a little bit of a room to grow for me were, again, that sort of like anti-kid, like hush, mentality for a mom which like she kind it was never really directly addressed but like she did allow her to you know go ahead and and do this civil disobedience and you know these things so like i I guess maybe that's how they were sort of indirectly addressing it um and then we the matron at the uh, at the juvenile detention center uh of course was like a homely woman of size Mm. and i was like why do we always have to make mean people people of right. size? That didn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't imagine that that was like an accurate rendering of how this, maybe it was, I don't know, but I'm imagining that that was the illustrator's interpretation and um, that uh, disappointed me right. a little bit because uh, we often see see that. Um, but anyway, uh, overall, I really, I really liked that one. Um, and uh, I think it was a good 
as opposed to like the other two are more like anthologies that I'm talking about or kind of compilations. I appreciate that this is like, you know, a one, this is a, like one sit down story, um, which I think is yeah. And So the only other thing. Oh, I was just going to say, Audrey Faye Hendricks is like another name that every single person should know, right? Like the same way that now we know, like the names, um, like, like the fact that uh, like Greta, Thurberg is like a name that is kind of well known and Malala is a name that's very well known now like like Audrey Faye Hendricks is a name just like Claudette Colvin that has kind of been lost to history or in a lot of ways and and every single person should walk away from their every single student should walk away from their you know American history class with that name on their on their lips yeah definitely uh, I think we have a lot of uh, a lot of work to do in terms of what we teach in history, <laughs> in history classes. That's a whole nother podcast. Um, but uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was, uh, so I, I mentioned it earlier, um, or I alluded to it earlier, which is that there's a book that's on a lot of lists that I that I was excited about when I like saw the cover. I saw the cover. I was like really excited about it. I um, I'm banging my feet because much like uh, that book, my feet don't touch the ground because I'm a short person. Um, just my the world toes. is not designed with you in mind, and it is not fair. It's not. It's rude. Uh, but this is my wife's chair, and she's a tall person, so <laughs> that's why uh, it does adjust. Uh, but anyway, so there's this there's this book um, called No, My First Book of Protest, and it's like it's like a fit it's like the cover is like a fist holding a rattle and like yeah this is gonna be awesome and i read it and it was great it was basically it's basically like um it's well first of all it's by julie merberg and illustrated by molly egan and it was uh it's a recent book it was uh, published in 2020 uh by downtown bookworks and basically it's again a compilation of like about different activists and i was like great and then i got to the last page (laughs) and the last page says um, so, ba- so basically, again, it's like specifically talking about activists and, and throughout history and how they said no and why it was important that they said no. And then the last page reads, great people made changes when they said, no, no, someday you can you can protest too when you've had time to grow. For now, instead of arguing when you don't get your way, just eat your peas or take a nap and say, okay. okay. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, I was like, What? It like ruined the whole book for me. I was like, I I cannot. So basically, like you're not old enough to know when something's just wrong. And eat just, your like, peas and t- oh, that is so condescending. And like, and cheek, also like, like wink, wink to the parent reader or the adult. And also, reader. nobody Ugh. protested because they had to eat peas. Like comparing those two things to me was like, like diminishing, <sighs> diminishing the activism. Yeah. Itself. yeah. Yes, so I cannot wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly cannot recommend that. Oof, Um, which was disappointing because it was a nice board book and it did talk about people and that were like, you know, all of it was good. And then the last page, I was just like, or tear. Oh, it's a it's a board book too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I need to I need to look this up. I need eyes on this. So I just wanted to talk about that because I saw a lot of recommendations. Oh, Um, and the, the art is cute. Yeah, it's like a really cute book. And then the last page, I'm just like, burn it. Burn the yeah, last no. page. No. <laughs> hey, Amazon, don't put this on the same page as A is for Activist and Woke Baby, like, and ABC of Equality. <laughs> like, those are. I loved ABC. Yeah. Mm. 
this does not deserve um, to stand in the same hollowed <laughs> ground. Yeah, I was really frustrated. I was really frustrated by that, so I just wanted to talk about that because I know that it's often recommended. And then uh, the last thing before I promise I'll stop talking is that we, you know, sometimes after we cover a topic, I find a book and I'm like, oh wow, this is great. And we were talking about um, during uh, before the election, the U.S. Um, presidential election, uh, we were talking about books about voting and about elections and things like that. And I recently found this book. It's a board book called Go Vote, Baby. Um, and it's by uh, Nancy Lambert and illustrated by Anne uh, Pashner. And it was, again, it's recently published in 2020 by Harbor Festival. And it's like a little book that teaches about voting because it has a slide. So it'd be like cats or dogs. And like you get to pick which one you like and like vote for things. And then it explains a little bit about voting. Um, but I thought that was such a good way to teach toddlers about like what a vote mm -hmm. is. So I wanted to just share that. Um, I have not had my hands on it, so maybe it has a terrible last page that ruins the whole book. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I hope not. You know what's interesting? What? So do you have No, My First Book of Protest in your hands? No. I because when I look, when I, I'm looking online and I'm seeing a final page, well, maybe it's not the final page, but this final image says it shows a child eating their peas and it shows a child with a blanket on. But the languaging on this version say you, you too can use your words to make the world a better place. I wonder if they've edited it. That's a good question. I don't know. I I read. I found a read aloud. On right, YouTube. right. Maybe they edited it, or maybe they. Uh, that's a page. I don't know why that would be after them saying just say, and even also in some of the reviews on like goodreads it, people also mentioned that last page huh. so i don't so it's definitely there but i don't know it's possible i guess that it has okay been readers or listeners this is a this is a bookish mystery let's let's solve this <laughs> let's find out if there is an updated version of this book that's come out that has a more yeah, that would be um, recommendable final page spread Oh yeah, look. Wait. Um nope, yep. I think they've changed it because I see I see the read aloud that you're talking about. Uh -huh. I see the final page in the version that you saw. Absolutely. The words on that same spread are different. Oh, on Amazon. Nice. Okay, now you can get the book. There you go. <laughs> So it sounds well. That's so. That's a great example of people who uh, some you know, some activist help. readers spoke up against yeah. that final word, yeah. against that final sentiment, and made some change. How Love funny! That. And the publisher actually did it, which is rare and great. How funny! I love that. that's really funny. I'm glad you looked. Well, thank. Well, I have to say thank you to that big box bookseller online that shows us pictures of the book. <laughs> Rhymes with Mamazon. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, yeah, I'm glad that they did that. That's amazing because I really liked all, all of that book. And then I was like, oh, this ruins the whole right. book. So that's amazing. So get a newer uh, version of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I've been blathering on forever now. So um, I'm excited to hear about your Oh, my books. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well... 
first book that I wanted to talk about, it's also about um, the Children's March. And it is called Let the Children March. And it's written by Monica mm-hmm. Clark Robinson and illustrated by Frank Morrison. And let me pull up my information about these, these creators. Um, Monica Clark Robinson is an actor. She was a former children's librarian and bookseller, and she resides in Arkansas. Um, and Frank Morrison is a, was a street artist turned acclaimed sculptor, painter, visual artist, and award-winning picture book illustrator. And he was raised in, in New Jersey and lives today in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and this book was published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in 2018. Um, and it is the uh, fictitious. So this story is um, features fictitious children. It doesn't feature Audrey Faye Hendricks. It's not um, any actual children from that time, but it's representative children. And, all, and it was the... Um, it received a Coretta Scott King Honor Award the year, you know, mm. um, for its depiction of um, the Children's March. And so what I like about this book, it begins with the, um, the end papers show a timeline of that year. So it starts in, um, it's 1963, and it's a bunch of children holding, uh, holding up pages that, that give information um, it says January 14th, Governor George Wallace makes his inauguration speech calling for segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. April 3rd, the first organized sit-ins take place at downtown lunch counters. April 12th, Dr. Martin Luther King and other protesters are arrested after leading a nonviolent protest for demonstrating without a permit. May 2nd, D-Day, the Birmingham Children's Crusade begins. By the end of the day, 973 young marchers are jailed. May 3rd, double D-Day. May 4th through 9th, protests escalate. Now I'm paraphrasing. May 10th, Dr. King and other protest organizers reach an agreement. May 19th, the school board expels many of the student demonstrators. And then at the end, and then uh, it's continued on the back end pages. Um, The timeline continues and talks about June 11th, President Kennedy goes on television um, June, July 23rd, Birmingham officially withdraws the segregation ordinances. Um, August 28th, March on Washington. Um, September 16th, uh, the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham is bombed. Um, and it goes through the um, President Kennedy's assassination and then the um, Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, Martin Luther King's Nobel Peace Prize Award. And then finally, um, 1965, the Voting Rights Act ended practices that had barred African-Americans from their right to vote. Um, So (laughs) that was Kat, you can cut some of that out. But I just wanted to show um, uh, the end pages provide this really beautiful timeline. And I don't know about you listeners, but I love I love a good timeline. I love to be able to situate myself in in place and time to understand the context. I love a good map, right? Being able to situate myself in a place and understand, again, the context. I think way too often in schools, children are given information without that timeline and those con- that connective tissue. 
to uh, show how these different events and places and things and people impact one another. So I love this timeline, whether it's for the adult reader or the child reader, I think it's just a really um, helpful tool to situate us um, in the civil rights movement um, and to show the role that the children's crusade or the children's march played um, in that timeline. Um, and so just to give a flavor for the story, I will I love a story. Right. Flavor. Just just a little flavor for our for our audio listeners for this audio medium. I'm gonna give you a flavor, <laughs> a taste. Um, the first page shows a chain link fence with a sign that says white only, and you see a playground behind it. And it says 1963, Birmingham, Alabama. I couldn't play on the same playground as the white kids. I couldn't go to their schools. I couldn't drink from their water fountains. There were so many things I couldn't do. One warm spring night, my family went to church. We weren't there to have regular services. We were there to hear Dr. King speak. We were there to plan. He wanted to raise an army of peaceful protesters to fight for freedom. His brown eyes flashing fire and love, Dr. King told us the time had come to march. If I march, Mama said, I'll lose my job, sure enough. I can't march, Daddy said. I've got a family to feed. The weight of the world rested on our parents' shoulders. But this burden, this time, did not have to be theirs to bear. So um, we see some parallels here with the youngest marcher, right? Like this mm -hmm. idea that the adults yeah. are like, this is, we can't sacrifice this in this moment. I don't have a boss to fear, my brother said, or a job to lose. We can march this time. We'll be Dr. King's army, I said. I'll be fine, Daddy, I promised. Don't worry, Mama. Um, and it goes on to explain that let the children march. They will lead the way. Um, and so it gives just a, a recounting of the first day, everyone dressed in their best, feet ready, mm -hmm. Um singing songs of freedom and uh there's a very evocative image in this book um most of the illustrations up until this point have been like like snapshots like at eye level you are one of the crowd kind of looking at the people right like that's kind of the perspective mm -hmm. and then suddenly you get a book that is an eagle eye view looking down and you see these men with hoses and they are, and you see just yeah. this blur of children and water and dogs. Um, and it's, it's really intense. Um, yeah, that was in the, in the other book too. There was a point where after she had been in juvie for however many days, like the next group of kids that came in were like soaking wet because they talked right. about that. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was the, um, and, the, and on this page, it's kind of um, rhythmic. It says, disperse or you'll be jailed, the police shouted on the first day. Disperse or you'll get wet, the police shouted on the second day. Disperse or we'll release the dogs, the police shouted on the third day. We did not disperse. We kept on marching. We would stop. We, <laughs> we wouldn't stop until things started to change. Um. And then it she she recounts our our, our narrator recounts um, being sprayed by water stronger than anything she'd ever felt, 
rough hands, falling to her knees, going to jail. Um, and then you see the picture of this like staring. Also, oh, oh, interesting, Seth. Also a person of size. We have kind of this portly um, jailer or, or law enforcement official with like a, a toothpick hanging out of his lip and kind of a billy club on his shoulder walking past a jail cell that's packed with angry ch children's faces and put like holding the neck of a young girl who's, who's scowling kind of at the reader and still singing. All of their mouths are open. They're still singing and they're walking past a Confederate flag, which is just like another really powerful image. Um, but again, a person of size, which doesn't necessarily seem very fair. Um, and then you see like angry white people as the children continue to march. There's tears running down these children's faces. Mouths are still open. They're still singing these songs of freedom. Um, and that reminds me of some of the images we've seen kind of going around social media where you see the, um, mm -hmm. the young people screaming at the, the, um, this at the folks in, at the sit-in at the counter, right? Like yeah. the, angry white people and as you look at them and it's like they're in their 60s now like these are the same people screaming on facebook now are the people screaming in these photos at these black young black men or young black boys even right like they were in their teens um and uh then i love this picture it shows a family watching the news and seeing a child sprayed with water um, seeing those images was really powerful, like a really important part of the, um, of, of having this change happen. Um, and then in the end, you have the family reunited, um, you know, torn, bloody shirt, everyone's weeping, um, still a Confederate flag flying in the background on a flagpole. Um, and, and then one month later, I was playing on a playground I'd never been allowed to play on before. Two months later, my family ate at a diner we'd never been allowed to eat in before. Our march made the difference. We children led the way. And you see that, that same playground, but you see now, and of course, this kind of like idealized picture of like children of color and white children playing together, which it's like, that didn't necessarily happen overnight. But for some, I'm sure for some, it did, right? Like in some instances, yeah. it was like, now I get to actually play with my best friend on this playground, but I'm but. Uh, in other instances, I'm sure there was less. I'm quite sure there was less welcome. Um, and then there's an afterward, an artist statement, and some wonderful back matter with, again, some real images um, from, from the march. And like I said, the, the end paper, again, follows this timeline that helps us to really understand where this, um, uh, where this crusade was situated in the greater civil rights movement. And that is Let the Children March. I love that. And it's so uh, interesting how it kind of parallels the book. That's, we didn't plan that. Um, right, right. That parallels the book that we just talked and about. And I, I love <laughs> that the Children's Crusade is um, is part, uh, part of a civil rights movement that is getting a little bit more attention now, right? Like mm -hmm. in the same way that we have, I think, thanks to in large part to social media, actually more people have some of the names of young activists at their fingertips in a way that may not have been the case um, in decades past. There's light, more light is shining on some of these moments from history that have not um, really taken center stage until now. Yeah. yeah. So the art in this book is beautiful. It's well told, very poetic. 
and very clear. And like I said, I love a great timeline. <laughs> so that is my book number one. Um, and then I have three books that I just want to kind of quickly call attention to. Each of them okay. features kind of an actual um, young activist. Uh, and the first is written by that young activist um, and their mother. And it is called Young Water Protectors, a story about Standing Rock. And this book was written by Aslan Tudor and Kelly Tudor, um, Aslan's mother. Um, and Aslan is a citizen of the um, Lipan Apache tribe of um, Texas. I'm going to say that again. Try that one more time. Erase, erase, erase. <laughs> Aslan is a citizen of the Lipan Apache tribe of Texas. This is um, the little bio and has been raised in his culture. He is a fourth generation member of the American Indian movement. He has been involved in native rights activism his entire life. He became the youngest published native author on record that we know of, it says a little caveat, at the age of 10. He is 13 years old and has published two books. Aslan is a grass dancer and drummer. He plays hand drum, powwow drum, and drum set. And then Kelly says, I am a citizen of the Lipan Apache tribe of Texas. I've been involved in my local and tribal native communities my entire life and in native rights activism and, and in native rights activism since my teens. I'm a third generation member of the American Indian movement. Um, and so this book is a book that documents the experience of, um, of, of Standing Rock from the perspective of Aslan, mm -hmm. who was eight years old when he and his um, little sister and their friends went to Standing Rock um, to be a part of the camp there. Um, and they kind of were there twice um, and, and talk about the way that it, grew, that it grew and the activism that was being done in order to try to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline. And the illustrations are all photographs from that time. Um, so some really, really powerful photography. And uh, I very, my, my son kind of listened to the read aloud with me and just was, I think it was very captivating for him to hear the perspective of um yeah of an actual like the child it's written from the perspective of a child um about his experience so there was a little bit of like a very polished like my school report like uh <laughs> quality to the the text um and i mean that in the best way possible um <laughs> so it begins a water protector is someone who protects water from getting polluted Companies are polluting the water by building things like oil pipelines under or near waterways. As Native Americans, we want to protect the earth and water from getting polluted and harmed because these are sacred lands and waters to us. We want to keep our homelands from getting harmed. The Standing Rock Sioux Tribe is a native nation of Dakota and Lakota peoples. Their reservation is located in North and South Dakota. Their land used to be much bigger because of the Treaty of Fort Laramie, an agreement made long ago. And then we actually see um, they include some maps of the, the original territory and then a map that shows the, cha the changing of those lands over time. 
um, and the way that at different periods of time, more and more of that space has been like taken back, like taken away from, from them. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it goes on to say people a long time ago did not respect that and took the land without permission so that the reservation became much smaller. The land is called unceded treaty territory because the Lakota people did not give up the land. Um, uh, and then it talks about the companies trying to build an oil pipeline, like the, which is like right under the Missouri river. Um, so again, the language is like very matter of fact and very clear and very accessible. Like, I love it. Like, I love the way that this is written. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, I understand this whole situation so much better now. Thank you, Aslan. <laughs> um, and then we get this great, uh, so we did get a description of the dispute and um, the sacred stone camp that was created and the Osatai Sakowin camp, like all of these spaces um, and the size of these camps 10,000 people, this camp to fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline became one of the, essentially the largest cities in, um, in the state, uh, or, you know, like, and it was one of, it was the largest uh, gathering of Native peoples uh, in history, the largest Native gathering in history, bringing together more people from different wow. sovereign tribal nations than any other time in history, and people from all over the globe. Um, they started a school there. There was the Defenders of the Water School, which is a traditional Lakota school. So when Aslan went back the second time, um, he was enrolled in school during the day. Uh, so I just, I, I think this book is a, a, a very accessible, clear description of this problem of the people that came together to try to stop it. Um, it includes great photography, I mean, just very like basic snapshots from that time um, and is wonderful in that it's <laughs> incredibly own voices because it is written by the child activists themselves. Um, so I, I think that this is a, it was self-published and, but I think it's a, I don't mean, but there are plenty of excellent self-published books. It is self-published <laughs> and I think it is a great addition to, to a bookshelf for uh, any child who, um, uh, you want to inspire to engage in this kind of activism. Um, in the last line, um, it says, um, Nini Wakoni, water is life. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good one. It sounds like a good yeah. one. My bookshelf isn't big enough for all these books I need, Rebecca. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> you're not sorry. No, I'm not sorry at all. Get another bookshelf, uh, Seth. I did. Right? Get it's get full. a third. Get a fourth. Um, and so then uh, those are the two that I kind of really wanted to highlight. Um, the other two that I just want to mm -hmm. throw out there because there are a number of there are a number of picture books. If you Google um, uh, Greta Thunberg and uh, or Malala, um, you'll see there are tons of books written about each of these youth activists um, and their stories are definitely like warrant books celebrating their work. But I just wanted to give a shout out to two that I, I or the, the one I think is kind of best of on each of those incredible people. Yeah. 
Um, yes, that's good because I was looking for one about Malala and I got overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one that I want to recommend about um, Greta is called Our House is on Fire. And it's written and illustrated by Jeanette Winter. And it was published by Beach Lane Books in 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so um, Jeanette Winter is a longtime author illustrator. Um, she's done, gosh, let me see what she's done. I know she did that, a wonderful book. Remember, do you remember when um, that hippo and that turtle became best friends? <laughs> do you, you were probably like a baby when this happened. Um, it was what you, you're like, what the heck? Is this like a real life thing yes. you're talking about? Yes. Okay. There okay. was a situation during the tsunami when a baby hippo loses his mama and then becomes very good friends with a, with a turtle, like a tortoise. This, this is a real, real thing, thing that, happened? that happened. Okay. Okay. Cause it sounds like a children's book. Well, it became real. a really beautiful children's book. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll read, I'll read the description of this book. I know this is a tangent, but this is worth, this, people should know about this book too. Set during the devastating tsunami of 2004, Mama is the touching true story of a true story of a baby hippo that was separated from his mother when the wave hit. After struggling alone for several days, baby was rescued by Kenyan wildlife officers and brought to live in an animal refuge. There, all by himself, he adopted a new mother that just happened to be a 130-year-old giant male tortoise, and they've been inseparable ever since. <laughs> so that's I love that. So that's a true story. It, what's the book called? It's called Mama: A True Story, um, and it's by Jeanette Winter. And so you don't know about this because this was written very long ago in 2006. Yes. Did I thought you said 2004? Did I? Oh, it happened in 2004, but the book was. Yes. Yes. The book was written in 2006. So Jeanette Winter, I, I know Jeanette Winter because I read this book, Mama, in graduate school and did a little critical analysis of the story. And it was one of the only ones you could get like a check or like a check plus or like a check minus on these little like mini critical analyses for my crit class. And this was the only one that my um, my professor liked. This was the only one I think that got a check plus on my, for my criticism and analysis of this picture book called Mama. So when I saw that Jeanette Winter had written a book about um, Greta Thunberg, I um, I thought that it might be one worth exploring, and it is it's beautifully done. Um, so it's called Our House Is on Fire. Greta Thunberg's call to save the planet. And it begins, Greta is a quiet girl who led a quiet life in the city of Stockholm. Her dog, Roxy, was her friend. All my life, I've been invisible. The invisible girl in the back who doesn't say anything. Then that's a quote. In school, mm. she felt alone. Then one day, Greta's teacher talked to the class about the climate, about how our planet is getting warmer about how the polar ice is melting, about how animals' lives are threatened, and ours too. Um, and it goes on to talk about Greta's kind of, um, like, her fascination with this topic, like her deep interest in it, um, the work that she, the research mm -hmm. that she does, um, and the concern that grows and grows within her. Um, 
and her culminating belief that our house, meaning our planet, is on fire, yeah. um, both literally and metaphorically. Um, and the action, right? The sadness, the deep sadness that she that she feels, and then like the pivot to mm. to action and activism, um, beginning with uh, what what we saw as a as a as a world, right? Um, sitting in front of the state house, I believe in Stockholm with a sign, um, skipping school. And, uh, she has a poster that says school strike for climate, um, and just sits in the rain, uh, and the wind and, um, a protest that grows and grows. Um, everyone kind of seeing these children strikers and, and the, kind of momentum that that took off from there the the virality that that occurred yeah um and then it talks about uh strikes happening all over the globe and her speech um her speeches uh at the united nations and um in other spaces um, and it says, the quiet girl was invited to speak to important people at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. It was necessary to speak. And then it has a big word bubble. And it says, I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. I want you to act as if the house was on fire because it is. Um I love that. And then Greta's protest all alone sparked a worldwide children's march. Her quiet voice, joined by thousands of voices, became a roar. Um, so you just have Jeanette Winters is such a Jeanette Winter is such a an excellent storyteller and artist. Like she just um so the book is beautiful, right? The book is just um a quintessential picture book, the way that the images and the words work together. Um, and in this case, it is this this story of um, of Greta, and the final page is like all of these children holding up signs with all of these very important, um, very important images and and messages. <laughs> One just says "hot mess," so I feel very seen. Um, and then <laughs> you know, help me. Denial is not a policy. Keep oil in the ground. Don't burn my future. Mm. The water's rising. So are we. So all sorts of powerful messages. I love that. Um, yeah. So um, if you're gonna, if you, if and when you want to um, <laughs> add a a story about Greta Thunberg to your library, I do recommend Our House is on Fire by Jeanette Winter. Mm-hmm. Love it. I mean, not that the house is on fire, but... I love right. That book. Um, it just has a really nice job of capturing the urgency and also yeah. just doing it in a, in a beautiful way. And so then the... Yeah, l- I really appreciate... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I really, again, I really appreciate you doing this because I'm so overwhelmed when there's too many books about a topic. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know which Malala book is good. Exactly. Ah. Um, um, give me one second. Okay. Sorry. All right. And so then um, similarly, if you are wanting to add a story about, um, oops, something just went wrong. Hang on. Let me get back to where I was. Uh, If you're wanting to add a story about Malala um, Yousafzai uh, to your library, I recommend Warrior with Words, um, which is written by Karen Leggett Abariah and illustrated by L.C. Wheatley. Um, 
and something about this story that I find so beautifully done, I'm such um, a fan of this medium, is that um, the illustrations are done with um, like felt collage, right? So it's like fiber Ooh. art. And all that. of this it almost te- reminds me of King for a day. Yes, yes. With that like beautiful fabric. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's all sorts of these layers of um, like texture. Um, I mean, I am like, I am such a sucker for a picture book that is like pictures of crazy quilts, like where, or, you know, those quilts where someone creates like a restaurant scene, but with like quilted and there's like, I I also just love like mixed media and fiber arts. I'm obsessed. So that's really, someday I want to illustrate one of my own picture books with a quilt, like or tar beach is a quilt. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did a. This is a. This is a tangent, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna share it with you. One of my favorite <laughs> all-time picture books of yeah. ever. Right, like, I think one of the most okay. perfect picture books in the history of picture books is called Mr. Gumpy's Outing by John Burningham, and I might have mentioned it before. <laughs> um, it was written in the 1970s, and it's about um, a gentleman named Mr. Gumpy who takes his boat out on a river, and all of these animals that want to join him on on the boat. And he tells each of them that they can join him as long as they don't, you know, squabble, um, that the dog doesn't chase the cat, that the cat um, mm-hmm. leaves the rabbit alone, that the sheep doesn't bleat. Um, so there's all of these, um, yes, come along as long as you don't do X, Y, Z so that we can, you know, not have any problems on the boat. And so they all <laughs> pile onto the boat one by one. Mm-hmm. And for a while, they all go along happily. But then... Um, yeah, the sheep bleated, the but... pig mucked about, the dog chased the cat, the cat chased the rabbit, the rabbit hopped, the children squabbled, the boat tipped, and into the water they fell, right? Yeah, that's what they um, So I love this book, and it ends with a phenomenal tea party. I'm sure I've talked about the story before. People are like, Rebecca, we know. <laughs> no, we know that you love Mr. Gumpy's Outing. I don't think you there have, There is like though. this beautiful double-page spread of this amazing, like, Mad Hatter-esque tea party where they're all sitting around. So he's, like, very amiable. Like, they all get wet, and then they just, like, Can you hear yeah. me? Okay. yes i couldn't see the no no no. i couldn't see my lines anymore on the thing i could i can hear you i'm and, loving your asides i'm just so swept up with my retelling no, 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 of no, no, no. you're okay. fine i just the lines right. weren't showing up and i was like i can hear you keep it all in cat keep okay, it great. all in um so long story short where was i going with this mr gumpy's outing perfect picture book um Boat tipped boat over. Tipped over. The, and there's an aside or a, you were saying, oh, no. The re-beautiful the tea party. Fantastic tea party. I love it. Great. the messaging to children. It's like, don't do this. Like, this is a boundary. But then when they break the boundary, it's like, well, you know what? You know, goats are going to goat. Like, let's all just dry off in the sun and go have some Goats tea. are going to yes. goat? The goat is my favorite character in this book. <laughs> um, oh, the reason that I'm sharing this with you is that when I was in... Uh, I took a library science course at Sacramento State when I was at Davis, and I did a felt board of Mr. Gumpy's outing. I, like, created all of the characters out of felt, and I swear, Seth, I found my medium. Like, I felt like Michelangelo with the marble. Like, (laughs) I would just start cutting. I love that. I would just start cutting, and this creature that looked almost i mean i'm not going to say it looked identical but it had the essence of the creature from the book 
like to the degree that people thought that it was a packaged thing that I had purchased. Wow. So I, I found wild. my, I found my calling with this felt. And so that's that. why when I saw this book about Malala, I was very taken with it. And I was like, why didn't I think to make this already? But it's called, <laughs> it's called Warrior with Words by Karen Leggett. Um, Aboraya and illustrated by Elsie Wheatley. Like I said, it was published. I wrote this down. It was published by Lee and Low Books in January um, 22nd, which is actually my birthday, 2019. What? And um, it is done in this amazing felt collage with, um, uh, with again, just well-written, a well-written explainer and engaging, like, weaving of her story. It begins, Malala is a miracle in pink. Malala is a warrior with words. Malala Yousafzai did not celebrate her 16th birthday with a sleepover, but with a stand-up. It was a miracle that (laughs) she could stand at all. She stood up in front of the whole world to prove that words have power. Um, and so you kind of start with the end, right? And then it goes back to start mm. with her her story. Um, Malala was born in Mingora on the River Swat in northern Pal- um, northern Pakistan. Um, so then it it tells her story um, beautifully, and uh, with this incredible these incredible this incredible collage. Um, so again, if you are going to pick a story about Malala. I, I recommend that you go with warrior with words. The end. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yay. But... <laughs> uh, I want, I need to see the art. Yeah. Just look at the yeah. book. I love, I love that stuff. I love like textile art. I used to do a lot mm. of that in, uh, in college back when I had time to do art because people were making me do exactly it. that's kind of the last time <laughs> I did it too. yeah <laughs> oh my gosh free time what's that uh it's time to start another project that's what that is exactly <laughs> um, um but anyway yeah go ahead no it's just like yeah I'm, I'm excited uh I'm excited that you pushed me to do this research because I I admit that I uh would not otherwise probably have sought out some of these picture books about specific um, activists just because like, right, like who has the bookshelf space. Um, But now I'm really excited to buy all of them. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Books. All of them. We just live in a bookstore. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of do. We Um, we both kind of do. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> I love that it's like it's kind. We're kind of uplifted, but also kind of like dejected yeah. <laughs> because life yeah. and because of all of these things yeah. that these youth activists are having to fight for. Yeah, it's heavy. It's mm-hmm. heavy stuff, um, but it's important to talk about heavy stuff with your mm-hmm. kids. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So uh, this 
is actually the last time we're going to see you for a while because we're going on a little hiatus for summer, uh, taking a little a little break, which I've never done since this <laughs> podcast has started, I don't think. That's not true. I think I took a hiatus once. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, to get ready for season three, which uh, was fully funded by uh, Kickstarter. Whoop, whoop. So thank you, everybody who uh, helped out with that and shared and supported us in whatever, whatever ways you did. And continue. Seth, to- when's this episode going to um, drop? I don't know. I don't look at my calendar. Like June, July. I, let me look. I'll tell you. Let's see. So this month, I think yeah. June. Or it's, or it's maybe, maybe even May. May. I think it might be May and then June. Right. Well, summer. should we, can I give a tiny shout out to some of just not even go into them, but just say the names of some of these pride books that I'm excited about. Oh yeah. Let's talk about yeah. pride books. Well, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll just have to do it. <laughs> I, uh, I knew as soon as you said uh, we were all done. That's fine. We'll do a special. We're not done. Bonus content. You'll see. Okay. I love it. Let's do all bonus right, content. We'll talk about this. All right. All right. All right. Bonus content. All right. Bye. Bye.